Hello, Katie. Hey, how's it going? Be honest. Oof. Six out of ten. How about I mean, you? That's not that bad. I don't know. It's a D. Okay. All right, Elisa. <laughs> um, because like I don't know, off the cuff, if you were to ask me out of ten, I'd be like, oh, I'm a three. But oh. I don't know. I, I that makes now I just feel like a complainer. <laughs> three out of ten. To me, that's like, um, I'm done. This is done. <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling a little bit done. If you are watching on YouTube, I mean, just from the looks of me, I mean, I look like I've just come off the oil field. Are you kidding? You look ravishing. The really? little swoop of your bangs right now. It's it's giving. My um, this is my uh postpartum hair loss um comb over. It it's working for you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast. This is the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture. And sometimes reread Mormon YA novels to see how steamy they get. Yeah. <laughs> how much quivering is yeah. there. Yeah. I was thinking uh, and sometimes uh, take whatever opportunity we can get to talk about Twilight. Yes. I love any opportunity to dive back into the imagination of sister Stephanie Meyer. So the inspiration for this episode, several friends and of the podcast sent us the New York Times article that came out in September 2023 about how Utah is an unexpected hotbed for young adult authors. Yeah, unexpected for who though? Really? I know because honestly, it makes so much of sense. course it is, right? Yes. Um, so we read that article and we were like, "Oh yeah, let's talk about it." And then we decided let's read a YA book together, just to really, you know, commit to the topic. And so right. we read what the hell was that book called? We read The Princess Academy by Shannon the Hale. Academy. That's right. Uh, although I'm going to be honest, I'm writing the book report. I didn't read the book, though I have read the book and I know the book. Yeah, I know the you, material. You read it as like a child, didn't you? I, the copy I have has like my little my little baby writing on it. Like Katie. <laughs> yeah. That's adorable. So, yeah, so I lived you... it. Yeah, you were deep into Mormon young adult fiction from the Didn't know it. Yeah, our mom was definitely indoctrinating me from all angles. Yeah. She, our mom, uh, is this something we would share? Our mom was a sixth grade teacher for her whole career and a sixth grade English teacher. So she read young adult fiction more than almost anything else so yeah. growing up and well into adulthood she just had a million young adult fiction book recommendations for us yeah i feel like we were like on the cutting edge of reading harry potter we were like oh, early yeah. adopters of harry potter in our house because mom was a sixth grade teacher and so mm -hmm. she just knew what was going on in that world yeah um anyway so yeah she's always 
been sending these kind of books our way for reasons that aren't religious, but that that fit <laughs> with religion, right? Because they are mm-hmm. squeaky clean little books. Yeah. I mean, we are from a family of people who read for pleasure. Yeah. Um, we all like to read. Um, and I think that, you know, it's a, it's kind of, it can be a little bit of a slippery slope. If you are a true blue Mormon and you're like really trying to stay on the straight and narrow and miss Stephanie Meyer is out there writing about freaking glittering naked dudes. I mean, you're going to read it, but that's the line. And (laughs) there's going to be conversations. People are like, should I let my daughter read it? Should I read it? Right. You know, it's As a whole twilight is actually scandalous at all. Right. It's horny. Oh yeah. But it's not scandalous. Speaking Big of difference. yeah, speaking honestly, of honestly, the Princess Academy was horny. Honestly, within the first I read like 75 pages, <laughs> it was horny from the jump. Yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. What were you gonna say? I was going to say, I remember vividly going to the library with our mom when I was a really little kid. And I mean, not, not to put mom on blast. Love you, mom. If you listen to this, that's rough. Let us but know. Yeah. <laughs> let's open. Let's open this let's up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. But sh- I remember she sure lingered around that romance novel section. Did she? She sure did. Ooh, that surprises me. Because... If mom ever recommends a book to you, she makes sure to mention if there is any sex at all. She'll say, oh, I love this book, but there's icky sex. <laughs> Which, like, what? Yeah, that's... that's I'm like, book stop man. selling it so hard, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. You know, she's such a pansy. One more mention of mom, and then we'll leave her out of this. Okay. But she hosted a book club brunch for a group of retired Mormon ladies just this weekend, and they read a young adult novel. And yep, not sure and like the squeaky cleaniest young adult novel. And like young adult is ever. pushing it. Like mm-hmm. this is for like nine ten year olds i'm pretty sure is when i read it in school so and it's a good book it's a great book and please Um, bless our mom but that's a thing that adult women are doing in mormon culture (laughs) is getting the other to eat brunch and talk about books for nine-year-olds yeah so (laughs) let's dive into this new york times article why do you think that utah is a hotbed for young adult uh authors well so the author of this article attends a class at byu the young adult literature course at byu i took this class Hmm. um many many years ago it wasn't taught by chris crow the professor who's teaching it now when this article is being written but he was my um supervising professor when i student taught i student taught for a semester at the end of my time at BYU. So I know him and I know this mm-hmm. class. And um, when I took it, we had to read something. So I took it during spring term, which is like six weeks, eight weeks. I can't remember. But we had to read like 70 books during that 
six or eight weeks okay we were just pounding through like young adult novels and that was the whole class was just reading all these and like writing some book reports and in class the professor read a book aloud to us across the course of the class like every day he'd read to us for like 15 minutes and it was soothing and sweet but like kind of a weird little class really weird um and I don't think I realized that like young adult fiction sort of as a genre is a relatively new-ish phenomenon and that BYU was like a little bit ahead of the curve on like having a class on that genre and so that kind of tracks with that there would be a lot of young adult authors, but also it tracks with Mormonism for reasons that we'll get into more. Um, Can I just say a couple of things about the professor who teaches this class now? He is a young adult author, but he also in 1995 published a book called Fatherhood, Football, and Turning 40, Confessions of a Middle-Aged Mormon Male. And I'm tickled by that. In part because another man on um, faculty at BYU in this in the English department wrote a book called Men and the Art of Marriage Maintenance in 2006. Mm. Mm-hmm. So these dudes, these professor dudes at BYU love like a self-help book for dudes. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, both are out of print. But if you own a copy... Oh, I would love to hear from you. Oh, either one of those would yes. be excellent. Can I just read you a little, um, a little part of the description for Men and the Art of Marriage Maintenance by Brett C. McAnally, full Please. professor at BYU. <laughs> um, <laughs> in this book, he recounts his efforts to become that elusive creature known as the good husband. wow yeah round of applause i'm on the edge of my seat yeah i want to know everything yeah (laughs) anyway so this that gives you a little insight into the man who's teaching the young adult literature course at byu um also the author of the article calls out that the class starts with a prayer And Mm -hmm. with a mention that they're at the Lord's University. And I realize, I don't know if non-Mormons know that at BYU, you're like saying a prayer at the beginning of class. Not necessarily every class, but honestly, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I was in classes where we sang a hymn at the start of every (laughs) class. I took like a, I don't even remember. I took like a nutrition class where we like sang a hymn and had like a spiritual thought every freaking class (laughs) cool isn't that wild that's so crazy okay so from the article i compiled a list of some of the big names in mormon young adult fiction and i'm just gonna rattle them off because i bet you've read them so brandon Mm -hmm. sanderson who we've mentioned briefly in other episodes he finished the wheel of time series he writes fantasy he's a super rich super prolific writer Stephanie Meyer, obviously, Queen of Twilight. Um, Allie Condi, she wrote the Match Trilogy. Also, I know her. Um, Shannon Mm -hmm. Hale, author of the Princess Academy series. 
James Dashner, who wrote the Maze Runner books. I don't think I had oh. realized those were a Mormon author. No. Um, Brandon Mull, who wrote the Fablehaven series. Orson Scott Card uh, wrote Ender's Game. Nice. Uh, also the great-great-grandson of Brigham Young. What a legacy. Also, also the most Mormon name. <laughs> the most Mormon name. Orson Scott Card, yes. Yes. Mormons love to use their middle name. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. They love a three-pronged name. Mm-hmm. Even if they just use an initial. So like O. Scott Card or Orson S. Card. That would be like... Mm-hmm. Ooh, he's trying to be a general authority. Yeah. 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 The fact that he uses three full names, that's giving like fantasy. That's, yes. It's giving I'm a writer. Absolutely. And also, I'm going to say like one of my takeaways for Mormonism, like you can't fully take the Mormon out of the girl, is mm-hmm. I love that. I love mm-hmm. a three pronged name. You Do know, you? I wish that my name wasn't such a mouthful because mm-hmm. if i use my full name it's like oh do you think you're like the princess of genovia <laughs> you know yeah but anyway carry on <laughs> you do have a princess of genovia kind of name don't you <laughs> yeah. okay so those are some of the big names uh almost all of them if not every single one of those that i just listed writes fantasy hmm. slash science fiction so yeah, there's clearly like a preference for young adult fantasy among Mormon authors. And that's interesting and comes up in the article when they're trying to understand like why why so many Mormons. Yeah. So some of the reasons that the author gives for why so many Mormons. There's an emphasis in Mormonism on reading, according to Brandon Sanderson, he said kids grow up with their parents reading them scriptures. I thought that was kind of a weak answer. Yeah. Like, sure. I don't know. But that's mm-hmm. true of lots of cultures. Yeah. Um, Lots of religious backgrounds, lots of people. Um, mm-hmm. Another answer was an, that there's a big emphasis on writing in Mormon culture. And we've definitely talked about that. There's like, everybody keeps a journal. But there's also mm-hmm. this like. Um, the quote we keep referencing that there will be like Milton's and Shakespeare's among the Mormons. There is this sort of like literary push in Mormon mm-hmm. culture. Like I think about our grandmother living in the middle of nowhere, Utah, running a literary magazine for like decades. Yeah. That's I know something. Totally. What did that how did that happen? How did that happen? Yeah, how did she end up the way that she was? Right. <laughs> it doesn't add up. Right. But then um, getting at the fantasy of it all, Rosalind Eves, who is an, a Mormon YA author, said, fantasy is often a way that you can explore ideas of trust in something bigger. I've always felt like religious faith and belief in miracles is not all that different from magic. <gasps> magic. Now we're getting to it. Yeah my favorite yes and we all know the mormons love their magic yeah they sure do they love magic they believe in magic Mm -hmm. which is important can we talk about harry potter briefly please so 
Um, one thing, one question I've been asked is, were you allowed to read Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. Um, which yes, we already brought that up. We were on top of Harry Potter. By the time the last few books were coming out, we were buying like a copy for every member of the house. Like it was bonkers. Yeah. We were such Harry Potter nerds. Harry Potter um, ended. The last book came out while I was a missionary. When I came home from my mission, on my bed was a copy of the final book. Like you've done it you've served the lord this is your reward here you go yeah yeah and um so yeah mormons um yeah mormons read harry potter i'm mm-hmm. sure that there were questions you know it was a little bit like you know cuz mormons do believe in that stuff you know growing up if i was watching something scary on tv you know it was a concern that i was letting you know evil, mm-hmm. evil. into our home you know mm-hmm. So Harry Potter definitely was like on the line, but I think people just loved it. Honestly, I think people just loved it so much. They're like, oh, I'm not giving this up. Yeah. You know, I think so too. Can we all just be on the same page about this being okay? Yeah. You know, because if I had brought a Ouija board into the house, I would have been, yeah, tossed out onto the street. That would have been a huge deal. If I had said I could do magic. That would have been a big problem. (laughs) That was what I was getting to is when I did say I wanted to be a witch when Mm. I was a kid, there were some tears. Oh, no. Let's put it that way. There were some waterworks. There was some, but don't you want to go to heaven? (gasps) Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what's (laughs) happening. I just want to make potions in the woods. Yeah. Because I'm... 10 years old or whatever yeah you were a little Hermione Granger stan totally you just wanted to make potions I really did and and I continued to make potions and that was honestly that put it on the shelf man that was one thing I was like these people are just too they're stifling my magical yeah side my magical you know my ancestors were witches okay it gets back to the whole conversation we had in the episode about divination tiktok and how mormons mormon origins are so magical and then there and then there's just been this like complete flip-flop to like don't you dare be interested in magic yeah you will be yeah our our entire religion is based on magic practice Mm-hmm. of which you may never participate right like you had better not even think of the word peepstone <laughs> it, it never happened not if you want to go to heaven um <clears throat> some more reasons given in the article for why mormons write ya um one of the authors interviewed said the mormon belief in the plan of salvation is similar to the hero's journey okay i wrote oh brother in my notes (laughs) um one of these days we should go through the plan of salvation for folks who aren't super familiar i actually found the old like visual aids i would use as a missionary when we were taught that plan of salvation it is kind of hilariously overcomplicated. Yeah, <laughs> totally. There are so many little like levels. 
Yeah. Um, so many little in-between stops along the way. Totally. Yeah, I feel like I was just having a conversation with Luke the other day about the plan of salvation, and I found myself being like, uh, I mean, wait, no, actually, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it's and complicated. This happens. One and of the interesting happens. things that, so Mormons believe, minor plan of salvation tangent right now, just for a sec, Please. indulge me. Um, Mormons believe that everyone who's ever been born onto the earth will be resurrected um prior to being like judged and there are not everyone will be resurrected at the same time you know there's a hierarchy based on your righteousness but eventually everyone will be resurrected um during the most recent general conference uh the current mormon prophet russell m nelson said something about he was talking about how we need to think celestial. We, we need to like aim for the celestial kingdom in our thoughts and actions, right? Mm-hmm. And he said that um, uh, the decisions and actions we do now will determine where we end up, but also the kind of body we have and after the resurrection. And my ears perked right up yeah. at that because... That is like a little weird Mormon doctrine that not a lot of people talk about or I think even know about, which Mm -hmm. is that if you aren't resurrected to the celestial kingdom, you won't have the same kind of body. And um, like deep in Mormon doctrine, there's this idea that if you go to a lesser kingdom, you won't have sex organs. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I assumed that they meant like you wouldn't have a perfect body. Sure. I mean, he kind of is obliquely referencing whatever. Like he didn't explicitly say, but this is like a fun little weird doctrine from way back in the day that doesn't get referenced a lot. But him saying that made a lot of people who know about it go like, whoa let's talk about this so i've been seeing it come up a lot on like tiktok and stuff but yeah the idea is if you're going to like the celestial kingdom you don't have genitals and the idea being like you can't have sex yeah right yeah and uh yeah and that's like your eternal punishment yeah you you gotta get a little punished yeah sure and um, that's just a fun, weird, silly little, little, um, yeah. That's a fun little tidbit. I was going to mention too. I said, I used the words of perfect body. Those aren't my words. No. That is, though. that's language that you hear in the church. They talk yes. about um, having a perfect body. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. whatever body that means. will be perfected at the resurrection. Not a hair of your head will be lost. I remember thinking that meant that I would be skinny. Yeah. Like even as a little kid, I was like, mm-hmm. well, at least when I be re- when I'm resurrected, I'll be skinny. It's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing to say to people. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. Right? And like um, you know, I I mean, I could go on and on. I've got a lot of thoughts about how how people will be perfect, how people are perfect in the spirit world or people will be perfect in the afterlife. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. You know, what's wrong with them now? It bugs me. And like whose idea of perfect, 
right? Like what, right. what does that even mean? Anyway. Yeah. Back on track. Um, yes, please. Another reason that was given for why Mormons love to write YA is that there are big families. You know, Disney is big among Mormons. This is a reason that Brandon Mole, the Fable Haven guy, gave. Mm-hmm. He was just like, oh, it's all about family entertainment. And I do think this raises an important point, which is that it's not just young adults reading young adult fiction, yeah. especially in Mormonism. Yes. I mean, even I, I, I read so much more young adult fiction when I was still active in the church, even into like my late 20s, early 30s. Because mm-hmm. I've just, always like, read safe. some. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like it. Now, I don't sure. read it anymore, but in my 20s, in my like early 20s, I was definitely still reading it because I don't know. I read so much of it. Yeah. Just kept going. It was what you but, knew. Yeah. Yeah. Then I started reading Smut and I was like, oh, well, it's over. <laughs> and I was like, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> um. Finally, though, we get to the real reason. Someone finally says it. Um, there is a church encouraged distaste for explicit material that can be found in adult fiction and Mormons prefer to write books that are clean. Finally. Yeah. This is it. This is the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, again, if people who have never been Mormon realize this, but like, we weren't allowed to watch rated R movies. Mm -hmm. Um, we were honestly discouraged from watching some PG-13 movies. Yeah. I've known Mormon adults who won't watch like Groundhog Day or like, I mean, the most benign PG-13 mm-hmm. movies because there's like a, a few too many dams or hells or something. Yeah. And it gets or there's like, like there's... extramarital sex or something. And like it did. Like, and some people are like, I literally am not willing to take the chance that yeah. I might hear a swear word. Like, mm-hmm. I will just stick to PG. Yes. And these are people, these are boomers. These are people in their, like, 50s. Grown adults. You know, who yes. have lived full lives and had children and have known so many people. And they are, they are so worried about mm-hmm. hearing swear words, basically. Right. Or seeing too much cleavage. Right. It's fascinating, right? Like, totally. it's obsessive in a way that... When you're not policing yourself like that, it's like do you you don't even notice swearing or cleavage it, it, in the way that these people are noticing it. Right. They're so like hyper focused. Um, so no R-rated movies. We were discouraged from listening to music that was considered explicit. Mm-hmm. I remember going to like youth conference or EFY and being encouraged to like destroy cds and dvds Mm. that were viewed as negative in some way sure destroy i knew people who were going home and like putting cds in the microwave or like shattering them to show their (laughs) worthy a bunch of boobs ridiculous right (laughs) i mean i remember like turning down the radio on songs that i liked Wait, I have a memory. Please. Elisa, Elisa, Elisa. I have no. a memory. Don't humiliate me. So I remember. Me. Um, you were so funny. Elisa. So Elisa is like nine years older than me, and she is 
was in charge, obviously, and we shared a bedroom. And so Elisa taught me everything I know about life. Um, and um, one of those lessons was when we, you got the No Strings Attached mm. sync album when it came out. We were My first fans. concert. Magnificent. Yeah. Um, uh, you got the CD. You had been listening to it and I wanted to I know where this is it, going it's like, digital get down do. isn't it it's digital get down <laughs> um and you were like you can listen to this but you have to skip this song like you cannot listen to this song you have to promise me that you will skip it and I did yeah and I did and I sure did until eventually it came on and I just didn't notice and I was listening to it and I was like oh, you're bopping you know. around and they're singing about cyber sex yeah it's about cyber <laughs> sex that's so funny you were you were an intense you were an intense oh, yeah um, little and it uh, was, hall monitor it was just my training <laughs> I yeah you were really good it's not that I innately wanted to steer clear of the song digital get down <laughs> it's that I knew that mom and dad wanted me to and the church wanted me to and I knew that it was up to me to help you do it too mm-hmm. i was just like such a little foot soldier man um the other uh, song i would skip a lot well in high school there was that song sex and candy that was on the radio all the time oh yeah and mm-hmm. i remember it would come on and, and mom and dad were like nope <laughs> changing the state <laughs> yeah i will say one one other interesting thing that comes up in this article is that the church publishes a lot of these a lot of its own books mm. and i think that's worth mentioning too especially to folks who don't realize the church's sort of reach in these areas so deseret book is a church-owned publishing company and it has three imprints and like you know they publish religious stuff but they also have like a they call it a values-based fiction and non-fiction imprint where they're publishing mm. things like they published the Fable Haven series themselves, which okay. I mean, I've heard of that. I've seen it around. Yeah. It's like a around. <laughs> and they've had 10 books on the New York Times bestsellers list from that imprint. Hmm. Um, and then they also have an imprint that is called Proper Romance. Ooh. And it's clean romance novels. Boo. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> which what? <laughs> That is so fascinating. I don't think I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to read a Deseret Book approved romance novel just oh, to see. Oh, I would love to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up reading a lot of LDS fiction. Like we would go to Deseret Book and buy fiction. And it was like Tennis Shoes Among the Nephites, which was like a series of books about kids who like go through a portal back in time and they're in like, ancient america hanging out with nephites and lamanites um in fact when i was in 11th grade my english teacher had us each do a book report of a book of our choosing and then we would have like a one-on-one discussion with him about our book and during that one-on-one discussion he would ask you to read from the book like just open it up and read for a minute I don't really know why, but I remember that. So there was one other Mormon girl in my class and she had chosen a tennis shoes among the Nephites book. 
for her book report. And Mm. so he's like, okay, open your book up and read to me. And she read to him from a page where Jesus is visiting the Nephites. No, no, that didn't happen. And I remember sitting across the room overhearing this and being sick to my stomach, like so mortified and embarrassed that my religion was being outed for as being as weird as it actually was <laughs> in like a school classroom yeah and I knew other people were hearing it and I was just like people know uh, I'm Mormon people know this is what I believe they're gonna come up to me and be like you think Jesus was in America that's brutal anyway I read those books yeah um I remember reading like Jack Wayland books which were kind of clean romance hmm Anyway, the Mormon experience of literature. It makes a lot of sense. You know, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that they are publishing romance, clean romance. It makes a lot Mm -hmm. of sense that a lot of Mormons write YA. It just, yeah, I don't know. It's no surprise at all. It's almost surprising to us that it's news. Yeah. And especially all these people like pussyfooting around the answer. Right. Like Mormons are desperate to censor everything around them. 100%. And I mean, they're de- but they're also desperate to experience things outside of their reality and they love a good fantasy. I mean, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like what woman doesn't want to read a romance novel, you know? They're dying mm-hmm. for it. They're like, "Give me clean romance now." Sure. I'm going to freak out. I mean, you think about, too, like, Mormons' experiences with, like, dating, love, sex, marriage. I mean, if you're on the path, if you're doing it right as the Lord intends, you're getting married extremely young, extremely inexperienced, as a virgin. You are having sex with another virgin only, and you are both... uh, you neither of you have like any frame of reference for like emotional intimacy physical intimacy so you are very likely going to experience a profound lack in those areas of your life and your relationship just because of how the system is set up and so of course you're like please 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 show me like emotional intimacy somewhere show me like horniness somewhere show me horniness and then like beyond even romance it's like show me more of life you Mm -hmm. know these people they get married so young and their their frontal lobes haven't even formed and they start pumping out kids and then they got to take care of those kids they have to work all the time and they have to work all the time for the church in order to stay temple worthy these people are working all (laughs) the time working yeah i mean give me a little fantasy give me yes something a hundred percent the time commitment of being a righteous mormon i can't tell you how many times i've heard like our parents but so many other people make the joke that like the church keeps you so busy so you don't have time to sin which is like basically straight out of like the bite model for identifying a cult right (laughs) it's like 
the institution that keeps you so busy you don't have time to like question it or like yeah. experience other things or yeah yeah I mean it is a full-time job to be a Mormon and I remember... from the time you're a kid yes that's what I was kids, just gonna say like when you're a small kid all the time when you're a teenager oh it's a nightmare going to <laughs> seminary. If you live outside of Utah, early morning seminary, getting mm-hmm. up before the sun to go to church before school. Yep. It's a nightmare. Brutal. Every day. Um, That reminds me, we still need to talk about the Princess Academy. And I want to talk about how horny it is and how okay. I was like, because the Princess Academy, I don't think we need to give a full-blown book report. It's just, you could read a synopsis online, but it's written by a Mormon and it's young adult fiction. Um, It was perfectly pleasant and fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it was like super Mormon in this one way which was that the protagonist has this boy in her town who she likes. Mm -hmm. And the reason we know she likes him is she's hyper aware of his little touches. Mm -hmm. Like when they were little kids, they would like hug or touch each other, you know, without it really being a thing. But as they've gotten older, I think she's like 14 or something when the novel starts. Yeah. Um, They've stopped touching. And then there are right. a couple of points in the book where their fingers brush or, you know, he taps her arm or something and it is like, oh, he touched Electric. Me. Yeah. It's like Mr. In- Darcy with the hand. Yes. Mr. Darcy with the hand. Right. Um, Or just everything in Twilight. Right. Like I want yeah. to be near you, but I can't. Yeah. I can't control myself even just <laughs> like with one little kiss. Right. Mm mm. No, it's the horniest shit ever. <laughs> but just reading that, I was like, okay, like being this hyper aware of these little touches and like blowing them so out of proportion is so representative of Mormon, <laughs> like yeah, dating culture, like oh, into your twenties. <laughs> Yeah. And on and on. It's the impression that I was given of like romantic interaction. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's this whole thing and it's a, there's mystery and it's wrong until it (laughs) isn't anymore. And then when it isn't wrong, you're going to love it so much. You're going to want to, and it's just like, whoa, okay. So like, you know, even just the descriptions of like you need to remain chaste until you don't have to anymore. Even that was horny. Yeah. I mean, so you can't show your shoulders as a young woman yeah, because you will become pornography. That is literally what the church leaders say. You become pornography when you show skin. Barf. On your shoulders. There's also the Mormon obsession with pornography. Yeah, And if you look at it ever in your life, you're considered an addict. It's this Mm -hmm. like huge thing. You need to like confess to your bishop, confess to your family, confess to your spouse. Marriage is ruined because the husband occasionally watches pornography. I mean, 
it is a wild obsession <laughs> among yeah. Mormons. And I wonder about that because like I've been out of the church for a long time and like um I don't know, we just live in such a different time now where like uh, I think porn viewership is just like up so much compared to in the past. Like I, everyone has seen porn and mm-hmm. and so many people watch porn. Mm-hmm. How is that being handled? Like, is it being handled the same as it always has been? Is it just yeah. this enormous weight? I mean, I feel bad for people. I feel so bad for the people who are walking around feeling like they're this terrible lost sinner because like sometimes they can't they they're just like man i just really want to yeah i'm just a little bit horny today and it's just such a simple urge you know and uh and they're like i can't believe i gave in and i I know can i just say i I did not i know i did not anticipate saying the word horny so much in this episode i feel like i'm i don't know another word to describe mormons yeah that's the word that's the word because they're not doing anything but man right. do they want to up here and man are they thinking lots about happening it. they sure are um, can i say something before we move on from uh yeah. the princess academy please i uh i ju- it just occurred to me this is from weeks and weeks ago the end of last month i uh i couldn't get over the names in that book Mm-hmm. so the princess academy is like it's uh they name the characters kind of like gala uh the hunger games you sure. know what's the main girl's name not In to put you on the, the princess spot. academy yeah i don't remember it's like some made-up kind of Here, bullshit it's like uh oh it's miri yeah m-i-r-i that's right and it's a lot of bullshit like that it's like I don't know Poppins and Mary and I don't know yeah. just stupid stuff. But I I came up with a list of YA names for us. <gasps> Please. So I there's a little bit of a breakdown. So the first few are just stupid ideas. So for me this is a really dumb one. I kind of don't know why I put this down. But the cot K O T though, that's like um kind of like divergent like level yeah. like this is a weird like alternate reality yeah, like you sci-fi. join dauntless and you get to change your name and you choose cot yeah yeah um uh tate that's my like kind of androgynous you know yeah. again we're going like kind of um uh what's the word a dystopian yeah um katana that's like my like fantasy Ooh, that's of. like your avatar name yeah and then my favorite and i that this comes kind of full circle with your name i i want my ya name to be trellis <laughs> that's my like i am like um this is like high fantasy like i'm a fairy or something okay mm-hmm. now yours uh, the obvious one for you is elsa let's be yeah. honest i feel like that's it tracks just the way it goes um i also wrote elza or like elsa with a z because that is something that YA authors do where they're just like, I'm going to throw a Z or like a Y in there that doesn't belong. Yeah. Um, uh, Liesel, Liesel, because that is a weirdly spelled word. And again, yeah. they just want to spell shit weird. Yeah. But then the name I came up for for you is Alista. So our names are Trellis and Alista. <laughs> Trellis and Alista sound like they would save the kingdom from evil. Yeah, we sound powerful. Yeah, I'm into it. 
Um, Glad I dug that up. <laughs> good job, Katie. I love your um thank you. Creative genius at work. My here. mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to backtrack just a tiny bit to what we were talking about about Mormons and porn. Mm. Because I wanted to tell a story about so I went to a therapist when I was at BYU after my mission because I was mm-hmm. fucked in the head. And um Ooh. I went to this therapist who he worked in the BYU counseling center. He's like a Mormon professor. He's endorsed by the church and BYU, you know, just based on his position. And he actually was a pretty good therapist. We met for a while. And I remember we would sometimes just have conversations about like the way that the church negatively affected, like how I thought about things and Mm -hmm. just how it like kind of created unhealthy patterns for me. And I remember him telling me once, he was like, I have a lot of folks who come in here who are guilty about watching porn, for instance. And my Mm -hmm. job is to help them um, stop feeling guilty. And I said, well, isn't your Mm -hmm. job to get them to stop watching porn? And he said, no. Mm. And I was like, wait. Wow. (laughs) And it kind of blew my mind as like a recently returned missionary had grown up in the church with all the messaging that we get that this like actual mental health professional was like, no, 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 I, that's not a thing that we can do or even need to do is to get people to never see porn or like never actually experience sexual things. It's to help them to not feel like shit after. And I just want to say that was a turning point for me. I was like, okay, wait. So actually I've been taught some toxic things that I need to unlearn. Yeah, I guess, especially coming from somebody in that position, because I yeah. always had the impression, like people that I know who went to like church, like Mormon therapists or whatever, it uh, it often was kind of like a, I need to get back on the straight and narrow. Yeah. I'm, I kind of need to be punished for like, there was some kind of like rock bottom moment where I was like watching porn or like yeah. drinking or having sex or whatever. Um, and uh, I that do think me there were that... therapists there who would have gone down that road, who would have told sure. a person like what you're doing is wrong and you have to stop for sure. He said it yeah. to me almost like, I know you're going to understand this, so I'm going to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. Um, But it was almost like it was a secret he was sharing with me. Interesting. I don't know how you can unlearn that as somebody in the church and, like, still be in the church and still be practicing, like, repentance and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was always a big struggle for me was just, like, um, making mistakes and sinning was so easy you know when it mm-hmm. came to things like look you know pornography is a good example it's so easy to mess that up again and again why do i deserve to be forgiven for something that i i i don't think i'm never gonna do it again deep mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. you know yeah that was always what i struggled with because i'm just like realistically you know and, and even smaller things 
things you know it doesn't necessarily have to be pornography because when you're in the church pornography feels really big is huge yeah but even it's huge but even smaller things you know smaller transgressions where you feel really bad about it and you repent about it but in the back of my mind i mean maybe i'm just like a I can't put the blinders on like some other people can't, but I just always felt like gonna do that again. Yeah. Even if I don't want to, like I'm, it's not, it's not that hard or it, it's easy to mess up all the time. Yeah. And I can't police myself that well. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, the rules were so I strict. Just... It was almost impossible to keep them all. Like, even if you weren't doing the big things, you weren't, like, watching porn or having sex outside of marriage or all the big things are sex things Mm -hmm. for Mormons. But even if you weren't doing those things, it's like, well, I complained about church this week or I got mad at someone or I wasn't, I didn't read my scriptures on Thursday. There was always something. I feel like a really big one that gets overlooked is just being dishonest. Mm-hmm. Like just being dishonest about something. Yeah. Because at school, you just couldn't face the repercussions that were going to come if you were just honest about something. And so you lied mm-hmm. or at work or with your parents or whatever. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd be making stuff up, <laughs> you know, and Sometimes I will. Sometimes just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just for uh you know, that was always that was always hard for me. Just like, I mean, I'm gonna Yeah. I don't think I'm never gonna do that again. I hear you. I, I mean, so for we've talked about this in other episodes about our like journeys out of Mormonism, but mine went on for years and years and years. And There were many years where I was like, I am not enjoying the church at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I, it is in fact detracting from my happiness to the point that I don't know that it's good for me to continue, let alone that I believe it's true. But Mm -hmm. I would talk myself out of actually leaving by saying to myself, well, you haven't lived it perfectly yet. Mm. So if you can try to live it perfectly and you still aren't getting anything out of it and you're still full of doubt, then you can give yourself permission to go. So for years, I would Mm. come back around to that idea like, well, I haven't been reading my scriptures perfectly. I haven't been going to the temple enough. I haven't been praying every day. I haven't been whatever. So I have to do all the things right first. And then if it still Mm -hmm. isn't working, I can go. And that's Mm -hmm. insane. I mean, I was never going to hit that benchmark. It's so crazy. And so, yeah, that's why these people just try to keep themselves in such a small Mm-hmm. box and they censor everything outside of that box because it's so hard yes it's so, so like, hard for them no wonder mormons love ya fiction right like when you think about all that yeah. all the pressure to do everything right and not take one step out of line and how inevitably you are taking steps out of line it's like well at least if i read 
this young adult fiction instead of this adult fiction. I know I'm not going to like stumble upon an F word or a sex scene that I'm then going to have to feel bad about on top of everything else that I already feel bad about. I know. I feel bad every day. Yeah, it's true. Um, we've talked about this a lot, but, uh, Mormons love to keep a journal and I was a big journaler as a kid. And I have not gone back and read all my journals by any means, but I've glanced back at some over the years and like the most consistent thing I was writing about was how I needed to be better. How I wasn't being good enough in Mm. some way or another. And in some of those journals, yeah, I was 11 being like, I need to be a better daughter. I need to like be more worthy of the spirit or I'm like 21 and getting ready to go on a mission. And I'm like, I need to be better. And it's like, dude, you Mm. were doing a lot of shit. According to the system I was in, I was trying really freaking hard to be good. Mm -hmm. And all I was ever writing about was how I wasn't doing good enough. That makes me so sad. Yeah. You were always so good. (laughs) I was really trying to be a good Mormon, but it was not enough. And when it comes to being just like a person, as a child, as a just a child, just a person, just a daughter, just a sister, just a friend, like you were doing great. And honestly, if anything, being a Mormon was the thing getting in the way of me being a good friend and daughter and sister. Totally. Like the number of times you've told stories just on the podcast of me being like, Katie, don't listen to that. Don't do that. Promise me you'll never. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell, man? Mm-hmm. Like, instead of just like being yeah. your sister, it was like I was the morality police for you. And right. we're like right. my friendships, especially um before I went to BYU and everyone was a Mormon like I think about friends I had in high school where I would walk out of their party if they put on a movie I didn't approve of or like I remember a friend in high school telling me that a group had been talking about me and someone in the group had said like she seems judgy to me because she like you know is she never swears and she never does this or that so like I just feel like when I'm around her she's judging me And I remember, like, being hurt that that was what people said about me when I wasn't around. But of course they fucking did. Yeah. That's how it was, probably. That's how it was. I know I was that way when I was a kid. Yeah, I resent that a lot. Like, I look back on myself when I was a kid and, like, coming into being a teenager and whatever and just being so... Like, I was a really, like, gullible kid and really... Mm -hmm really innocent and like just not very smart and it uh the church and being the mormon it really didn't do me any any favors i Mm -hmm. became a victim of like kids who just had a lot more who were just a lot more streetwise and man I really, I really resent that. And and to people in the church, it's like, oh, she's so sweet and she's so conscientious, you mm-hmm. know, such a conscientious little kid. And it's like, what a burden, mm-hmm. you know, can I not can yeah. I just be silly? Right. You know, and can I just like play and have like fun. Just, yeah. And just 
go have experiences? Does it everything have to be so intense mm-hmm. <laughs> and useless? Right. Yeah, we yeah. we were taking yeah. ourselves really seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, going into school and being like, you know, you can't say that in front of me. <laughs> what? <laughs> and being encouraged, like, you need to make sure that boys don't talk inappropriately around you. Yeah. And what does that mean? Like, basically saying anything. You can't talk like that around me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Just, just lock me up and throw away the key just <laughs> it was so embarrassing this reminds me so of how in the fifth grade someone signed my yearbook I still to this day remember exactly word for word what they wrote they wrote have a wacky wild condom style summer <laughs> we were fifth graders <laughs> I mean like what sure and yeah <laughs> I saw it and was like oh no oh no I'm going to have to say something. And I took it Um, home and mom saw it and she was really upset. And she's like, did you tell them not that that was an inappropriate thing to write? And I was like, I will, I will. And she contacted the school and the kid had to like buy me a new yearbook. No, mom, (laughs) mom. Mom. This little fifth grader who wrote like a stupid little line that I remember word for word to this day. Mm-hmm. And like, if it had just been like we were a little more chilled out, you know, the fact that I remember that line because as a fifth grader, I saw it and knew, like, oh no, I'm going to be in trouble. They're going to be in trouble. Everyone's going to be upset. This is a huge deal. A joke about condoms is terrible. Like, instead of just being like, haha, whatever, moving on. Yeah. You're instead, stupid. Instead, I was so hyper fixated on this thing. And that was so reinforced by what happened after that at 40 yeah. years old, I can recite it to you. <laughs> That's wild, Elisa. Yeah. It's funny you say that, though, because I remember yearbooks specifically being a difficult thing. Like, I remember policing what people wrote in my mm-hmm. yearbooks because I knew mom would look. I remember yep. being like, please, no swearing. Like, don't yeah. just just say something nice and yes. sign your name. <laughs> don't write about that one time we did a thing we shouldn't have, like... It can't no, show up here. Please. This has gone on a, into some interesting and unexpected directions. But the overall thesis of this episode is, of course, Mormons love to write and read YA. No, duh. Big whoop. Yeah. Everybody have a right. wacky, wild condom style summer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm stealing that. Oh gosh, it's so dumb. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay, but it stuck with me. <laughs> it's imprinted on my soul. Anyway, that's beautiful. Um, thanks so much for listening. Send us. We love that so many of you sent us this article. Definitely send us. Uh, ideas for episode topics send us stories send us more like voice notes that we can play on the podcast we love all of it 
Uh, our email is pleaseblesspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at pleaseblesspod. And, you know, don't be strangers. We love talking to you. Please reach out. Please reach out. And please bless this podcast. Amen.